Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. I'm excited to share the next nine weeks with you as I talk with each of the nine numbers about their way of being in relationships. We'll talk about their strengths and weaknesses, how they behave in stress and security, the gifts they offer in relationships, and the struggle they face to be better and more loving. All of this leads up to the release of my new book, The Path Between Us. My guest today is Enneagram 5, Casey McCollum. The two things that stood out for me in our conversation are first, the challenges he faced in ministry and the courage it took for him to lead. And second, the work he and his wife, a one, have done to strengthen their relationship with one another and their children. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I do. So Casey, welcome to the Enneagram journey. Thank you, thank you, good to be with you. So there are a lot of things I want to talk about. Your your name is Casey and you're married to Casey. <laughs> yes. And you're yes. a five. Yes. And she is struggling most of the time between two numbers. Yeah, she is. She claims she's a one, and I think that's right. Um, but there's a massive nine wing there, and a lot of nine energy there as well, which is pretty common for that area of the Enneagram. But yeah, yeah but she's a she's a one. So. And she um, <clears throat> she has a great desire to know for sure that she's a nine or a one. And so I just want to say, because of her, she's present with us even though she's not here, mm-hmm. that that's a very common thing on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. The hardest two numbers to differentiate in terms of learning your number are between nine and one. Yep. And she has asked me some really hard questions that help me help other people. Another thing that I hope we can explore a little bit today, and you all have two kids. Mm-hmm. Their names are Casey and Casey. No, they're not. No, they are not. Their no, names are Claire Ma- and Micah. Micah is five and a half, and Claire is eight, going on eighteen. Yeah, but that they only are, gets worse. Yes, yes, but they're they're fun. Yes. And you're a five who knows me, and is willing to be on the podcast. So you know, fives don't want to do this pretty much. You're shaking your head. Yes. Yeah, they don't. So why are you willing? Do you recall the first words of, out of your mouth when I walked in the door? You said, I'm so glad you're you. Oh, yeah. Because you, you just got done recording a podcast yeah. a few minutes ago, yeah. even though it'll be published later, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Yeah. And you said, I'm so glad you're you. Yeah. I don't hear that. Often, and I didn't hear it, and we'll get into this, but yeah. I didn't hear it uh, much in in ministry and in other places. And every time I'm with you, every time I'm at LTM or at a workshop, I feel so welcomed and seen mm-hmm. and heard. And so when Joel said, "Hey, you want to do the podcast?" I, I didn't hesitate. Oh, that makes me. It, I, doesn't make doesn't mean I'm not a little anxious and nervous, yeah, but you get to be. yes, but I that that's why, that's why. All right. Well, one of the thank you, thank you. That's a big compliment, and that's certainly how I feel. So I'm glad that you know that. One of the things that I am running into all over the country is the reality that lots of people who feel called to ministry leave ministry after a really sincere try and a few years. And I'm married to a pastor, so I get all the things about how hard ministry is. And 
to be honest, I at times thought, boy, I, I hope our children don't go into representative ministry <laughs> because it's potentially so painful. And you have a, a journey that has value for young people mm-hmm. who are learning about the Enneagram and who want to know themselves better and who maybe are in ministry or feel called to ministry. And I'd like for us to explore that journey on this podcast. And one of the reasons that I want to do that is because you're a five. And the fact that you were able to hang in as long as you did is pretty astonishing to me. Which tells me that you were really called in the ministry, Mm. in my way of understanding Mm. call, which is certainly not anybody else's way. So let's start exploring that uh, in in terms of relationships, uh, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to God, your mm-hmm. relationship to the church, your relationship to Casey and the children, you know, all, all that that mm-hmm. means. So I've gotten the opportunity to be, to do workshops for people in the Enneagram and do some teaching and coaching and that kind of thing. And I feel the call to be kind of an ambassador for fives <laughs> because they're not, they don't show up to these workshops and, and, the people that are listening that have fives in their life, I think those people need to understand fives because fives don't give them much to work with. Right. And so um, I am anxious, but I, I do feel, I hope this is helpful for a lot of people. And, and I think I think I'm in a healthy place where I can be myself and and share. And so, um, so yeah, let's do it. Great. All right. Tell whatever part of your story in ministry, your call, you want to tell, and I may interrupt you. Yeah, please do, because that's a for a five. That's a big, broad. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in Richardson, Texas, not too far from here, actually. Um, in fact, where we're sitting, uh, our high school played football ten minutes from here on Church Street Road. So, and grew up in a very uh, conservative environment, and went out to ACU Abilene Christian University. Um, for college, and was a business major for three years, actually, until my junior year, because, frankly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And all through high school, I was always kind of the church kid and the youth group kid and the kind of the leader in the youth group, even as a five. And then went out to ACU and was still kind of leading Bible studies and doing a bunch of different ministry kind of stuff at ACU, but, but not a ministry major. And I would have people, not good friends of mine, but just people that were acquaintances say things like, hey, you're, you're a ministry major, right? And I'd say, no, I'm a business major. I'm a business major. And it happened just over and over and over. And so I thought, okay, maybe there's something here I need to listen to. Sure. And so in a very real way, it was kind of a communal discernment for me. And I had other mentors in, at ACU that I talked to about it. And, and so that's how... That's how I kind of think of my call. And it wasn't a, a lightning bolt from heaven. It mm-hmm. wasn't a, a you know burning bush or anything like that. Um, but I just had some giftedness for teaching primarily um, and pastoral care and those kinds of things. So um, changed my major to youth ministry my junior year. And then I uh, was getting ready to graduate my senior year and frankly just didn't feel quite ready to jump out. And, and starting full-time ministry with skills-wise, but also just kind of 
personal maturity. I was 22 and just didn't feel like I was ready to do that. So stayed at ACU and did a, another master's, did a master's degree in MDiv there. And that was really great for me. Um, you know, as a five, got to spend three more years really diving deep yeah. into studying deep. theology. Yeah, right. It was, and it really was, it was, it wasn't, you know, the youth, the undergrad in youth ministry was, was okay, but it was the MDiv that was, that really kind of formed my theology and my call and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, I had good mentors at ACU. And I want to be gracious and kind to my past because I had a, a good experience and um, people that cared about me and loved me. But I do wish, looking back, that there was a little more, well, frankly, using things like the Enneagram mm -hmm. um, to, to help to help me know myself better at that age. Yeah. And and I know you're getting more involved in kind of the the Methodist church and the diocese and all that and getting in and helping ministers discern their vocations and so yeah, we had mentor groups, you know, at ACU that kind of helped us and we took some kind of tests that weren't real great, but but just more digging down in okay, let's let's explore your call and your and your personality of what, what what kind of call might be the best for you and and I, and and this is the Church of Christ denomination and so there's no there's no structure to it there's no yeah there's no appointments yeah. is the best way to say that this is a this is a free church you know every every church does its own thing every yeah. and and that's great and that's not, not great. so great yeah <laughs> so, so I want to talk about all that a yeah bit sure with you. sure so um. I have a desire because I have so many people in audiences where I teach who are not in church or who are not churched mm -hmm. or who are not, mm -hmm. who don't always track when we use church language. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to say that I think everybody has a call about what to do with their lives. Sure. We just sure. use the language in ministry. That's right. And <clears throat> purpose or meaning. Yeah. Or that's that's and, the and secular. What, yeah, exactly. Sure. And sure. what are you going to do to make... A living. Sure. And I think there was the idea in ministry that if you felt called by God to be in ministry, that you then had what you needed right. for whatever right. ministry opportunities came your way. Right. And I do think there's a great lack in um, exploring other disciplines for helping us figure Absolutely. out whether or not we have the temperament and the personality to do the thing that we think we might be supposed to do. I want to talk about what you would say to fives who are finding it difficult in their vocation to be fives. And and I want you to speak to two things. Why, what you think you have as a five that helps you stay and what you think it, as a five you have that helps you make a change or uh, helps you to lean toward and walk in a different direction. And how relationships with other people play into that. And the, the thing that's so important about relationships in fives is that you don't hear people generally unless you've invited them into your sure. conversation. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. that is. That's okay. That's a lot. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. So the first piece: what helps a five stay? What What are kind of the gifts or the 
what, you know, what I, what I love about fives is objectivity. Mm-hmm. They're, they are the most objective number on the Enneagram. You know, nines can kind of see both sides, but they usually have a preference if you mm-hmm. kind of push them, even though they'll kind of merge with you. They, and other numbers kind of get lost in all of that, but fives can be objective. And so they can stand back and truly be objective, even to the point if something goes against what they really want, if they're, we are so interested in unvarnished truth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if, if you can find a place in your vocation where that is welcomed and embraced and used for the greater good and, and you find life in that, is that what you're going for? That's exactly what I'm going for. And here's an example for me. So I have the past few months I've been, doing more workshops on teaching the Enneagram and and particularly for churches, nonprofits, and some schools. And it is so life-giving for me because I now, what I have to say is now welcomed. Mm -hmm. And in ministry, it wasn't that way. Okay, now let me ask you about that. Okay. Don't lose your place, but before we keep going. So you talked about growing up in in a conservative environment. Mm -hmm. You went to a conservative university mm-hmm. in a conservative denomination. Yep. Did did youth ministry and college ministry and young adult ministry for about fifteen years. Also worked at the you know at Abilene Christian yeah. for a few years as well. So yeah, that's the journey. And that seems like a hard journey for a five, because fives dive so deep, and the deeper you go into something, the more questions you have about. Whether or not what you think you know, you know. Right? Right. So let me just start off by saying, and then I want you to talk again, okay. that that could happen in a, in a very liberal environment sure. oh, yeah, as yeah. easily exactly as in a conservative right. That's environment. That's exactly right. I, when I first, so I came across the Enneagram probably 10 years ago through the Emerging Church guys, Brian McLaren and right. Tony Jones and Doug Pageant and all that guy. Didn't do much with it. Picked it up three or four years ago as I was transitioning out of ministry because I was looking for help. I was looking for tools. And it was immensely helpful right away. But when I first picked up Richard Rohr's book, for the first couple of weeks, I I thought I was a seven because I spent so much time in stress. And as a youth minister, as a young youth minister who's a five, I could turn on that seven and I could play chubby bunny and I could yeah. do the fun youth ministry stuff. Very helpful. But it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know something interesting about the seven and the five. So the fives can go to seven. What happens when you go to seven is that you, you kind of fake the, you know, the fun stuff, but then you start to resent people because they aren't seeing you for who you really are. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I know I'm faking it. But I also know that you don't know right. that I'm faking it, right. which makes me even even feel more distant right. from you. Does that right. make sense? So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a double-edged sword for fives. And it, is it also a, a place when five goes to seven where you know you're faking it, they don't know you're faking it, and you're aware that the fake you is preferable to Oh, them, totally. For them. And it kept my lights on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to pay the bills. That's what it was. Sure, sure. And so I could go to seven. I would go to the high side and be the fun guy. And, I, you know, I could use some of that in health, the high side of seven for health in fun with my family or my wife or my kids when I was in stress in ministry. 
So I think what happens when thinking dominant people who are also fear-based, in Enneagram wisdom there is um, an offering for all of us to bring up what we lack. For a five to bring up doing along with managing thinking because it's ineffective in keeping the lights on. That's a that's a very tall order. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And I don't know how people would do that. So I, I just want to say whatever whatever comes next in our sharing with what you decided to do in order to take care of yourself is what I really want people to listen yeah. to. So I have a great therapist and I have a great spiritual director. Mm-hmm. There you have it. And there you have it. And I'm with you that everyone needs a good therapist and a good spiritual director. Every, everyone. Yeah. And my my therapist knows the Enneagram real well. He's known he's used it for 20 years. He's great. And I have the best spiritual director. There you go. We go to a, a small um, Presbyterian church in Denton, and he's the pastor there. And it is so good, Suzanne. Like it is gold every single month. And and so that. Those two things have have contributed to my healing. I have a great wife. Yeah, you do. Who is patient and just a great wife, and um, and so she, you know, she's a one, and so um, we. So I don't know if you want to go down that road sure. with with marriage. So we, yeah, so a five and a one. So, you know, we're on the opposite sides of the Enneagram mm-hmm. and there's some challenge. We, we've, we've worked hard at our marriage. Mm-hmm. We've worked hard. She went to ACU. That's how, that's how we met. Um, she did the youth minister degree and an MDiv degree as well. And she's done hospital, hospital chaplaincy mm-hmm. for a long time and is great at it. And she, in her chaplaincy, she went through clinical pastoral education, mm-hmm. which most MDivs, programs require that as one as one part of the program our MDiv at ACU did not um, but she actually went ahead and did five units of CPE um, many years ago when I was a youth minister and they didn't use the Enneagram in her CPE program but that, it was it's all about self-awareness yeah and it was so good for her and mm-hmm. I was jealous of her mm-hmm. getting to do this program so she I mean frankly she's farther along than I am in a lot of ways on self-awareness and 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 so well, you know, that's all about having tools. Oh, it's all totally, about having totally. tools. It's just tools. Yeah. And we expect great things from yes. people who don't have that, and tools. I, I, and and I, I, I steal this from you when I do my workshops. I don't you don't have to use the Enneagram, but use something. Yeah. I don't know how pe I don't know how you get through life without something. doing something. Right. So um, that's exactly right. So so a good spiritual director, a good counselor, a good wife. So kind of to to come back, I spent fifteen years in ministry and was exhausted and I had an experience. I'm going to come back to marriage down in a little bit, but I want to I want to tell the story about how I decided to leave ministry because okay. I think it'll be helpful for people to understand fives. So I uh, I stepped down from ministry at the end of 2015. And After how many years? 15 years. Okay. In 2000, I started doing youth internships and 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 all kinds of stuff, and so 15 years of ministry. I decided to step down in April of 2015, and I can tell you exactly the moment I decided. And it was after a conversation with a college student. 
and I was a college minister at the time. And we, um, this student asked me to go to coffee and I said, sure. And, and even as a five, I, I, I did have some gifts for ministry. I absolutely did teaching mm-hmm. and, and one-on-one pastoral care. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of the two, you know, the evangelism and the, that mm-hmm. stuff was just exhausting, yeah. but I did have some gifts for ministry and this was one of them. And so, and listening, and, and listening. listening. Yes, absolutely. And so this college student, um, asked me to go to coffee and, and at the end of that conversation, I decided, okay, that's it. I'm done. And what we talked about, this was not a surprise to me at all, but he he came out to me. Mm-hmm. And again, this this wasn't the first time that had happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, all through youth ministry that had happened, and I'm great in those situations. It doesn't throw me like, okay, let's talk about it. This was the first time in April of 2015 when I truly said what I thought. And it wasn't the party line. And it wasn't the party line. And if my elders had been sitting there at that table, they would have fired me on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so I, and in, in, in looking back now, I didn't realize at the time, and looking back, we were both coming out. Mm. And I don't, I'm not trying to equate our journeys. I think he probably had a harder journey than me in some ways. And I had, I mean, that's not my intention, but my intention is that we were both yeah. Coming out in a way. Yeah. This is who I really this am. This is who I really am. And I walked out of that coffee shop and I called Casey and I said, I got to go. Because I felt so free mm-hmm. after that conversation. It was, okay, I, now I can't the thing I want that. people to pick up on is that you said, because I felt so free. Hmm. Because I think what happens with fives is I think your thinking can lead you to a place where you can feel things that you wouldn't be able to feel if you hadn't thought them through first. So when we ask fives in relationships to be feeling present before they've had time to think, we're asking for the impossible. That is exactly... The reality is that the feelings come a couple of days after the event or after the experience. And so in relationships, that's very tricky. Yes. Yeah, my wife and I will get into an argument... And I, I will be thinking in the moment, I should be feeling something here. I should be feeling something. And yeah. I don't. And I'm being honest. I, do, I don't in the moment. Right. And then I'll be in the shower later that night and I'll start crying. Mm-hmm. And I'll get out and talk to my wife and say, okay. Got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. And so a sign of health for me, for sure, a sign of health for fives is when you have emotions in real time. Yeah. And when that happens with my wife and we're in an argument or, 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 or celebrations, not just negative, but when I have emotions in real time and my wife will say, yes, you got it. Like, that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. So that is a sign of health for fives is, is emotions in real time. Jump in as a seven. Sure. I've been waiting for someone to say that. This is, I know this is seven mentality to think that I'm different than everyone else. But am I so numb mm. because I see you sometimes when mm-hmm. we're at an argument and you're crying mm-hmm. and I'm staring at you and I'm thinking, she she must think I'm such an a-hole That's right. because I'm just staring at her That's right. and I'm hearing what she's saying, Yep. but I don't share that emotion That's right. and I don't react with an emotion. Right. And I'm, I'm jealous of, and maybe it's because fives aren't feeling repressed so you get to the feeling way quicker than i did if you're in the shower later yeah maybe a week later Mm -hmm. i'll still be thinking about it or it'll come back up and then i'll feel something about it 
You know, in terms of relationships, though, for both of you, there's a thing about asking other people for something they don't have to give. I think we have to be very careful that we're not suggesting that feeling in real time is mandatory. The closer you get to being able to have feelings in real time, the better it's going to be for your relationships. But you can't manufacture feelings and have your own integrity walking away. And I don't think people understand that it's not that you don't want to have feelings in real time. You don't have them. And the reason I think the two of you don't have them is because as a seven and as a five, you're thinking dominant. So everything comes in through thinking. Well, what do I think about this? Well, that seems irrational. You know, even Joel, as a, as a child, if I was over the top with feelings, just found me to be irrational and could not take me very seriously, <laughs> which was problematic, <laughs> I have to say. <clears throat> I think what I want you to share, if you can, is what happens instead of you feeling what, what's happening when you're not feeling this other person's need or when you can't kind I, of... I, do you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. I am analyzing and observing the situation to better understand. And... I wish everybody could see your face because essentially what you're saying is... I. I'm really giving I'm trying. the best I I'm have. trying. I truly, and, yeah. she, and my wife, we've, this, this is, we've done this for 15 years. She knows. But I am giving the best. And so it is, I'm analyzing, this is for a five. I'm analyzing and observing the situation to better understand. So I will just keep kind of asking questions mm-hmm. about, okay, well, when did you feel this way? Or why do you feel this way? And, and, and that's not always fair because for a one, particularly, those questions can feel accusatory. Yes, they do. Right? It's they got the critical voice, mm-hmm. and when I'm in my my obser- my questions of observation and and analyzing can feel like bullets coming because it's I'm truly trying to understand, but what I need to do is just stop analyzing and just experience. Okay, do you know how to do that? I my therapist is helping me with this, and it is it's getting into my body. Yeah. It's deep breathing. Yeah. My wife and I had kind of a long conversation last night that was kind of a serious conversation about our relationship. And and I and in the middle of it I had to literally put my feet on the ground and sit up straight and take big deep breaths. Mm-hmm. And as simple as that sounds, that yes. helps a five yeah. because you get out of here, you stop the mental craziness chatter of observing and analyzing. And so you take a deep breath and making eye contact mm-hmm. fives will do this and they'll say, okay, tell me about, and, and they'll look up, I'm looking up now yeah. to those on the podcast. I'm looking up and, or they'll look down and they, but, but just simply making eye contact. Yeah. You know, that's a five trait to not make eye contact. Oh, totally. Yeah. A sign of health is when I'm doing this. That's right. Right now. Tell, talk to me about analyzing feelings. Is it judgment? Like, are you, are you judging? Well, that's silly. So early in our marriage, I would say things because I was young and dumb and an and a unhealthy five. Well, that's just a crazy feeling. Or that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That's just crazy. Why would you feel that? Or don't or, feel or, that. Or don't. I would say that. I would say things like 
well, you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. And she, as a much healthier person, would say, I, I, I have a right to my own feelings. They're not right or wrong. They just mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And I did not, that did not compute for me. So what are you thinking? What are you guys thinking when somebody's feelings are all over the table? I can give you two examples in my past of what real immature repressed feeling looks like and what slightly less immature different relationship repressed feeling looks like. Okay. So I... Which, just let me say, it repressed feeling is you, repressed doing is right, Casey. Right, right. So I'm going to bring it to you on that sure, level. Sure. Okay. So I'm, so I'm remarried, and when I had these conversations and these arguments with my first wife, the, like you said, my responses were, there's nothing I can do about this. Like, it was just, <laughs> this sounds like a problem you've got, and... Because it wasn't logical, and instead of because you think do think do think do think do think right. do right, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to think about so it, and then there's nothing I can do about it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm so out. this seems like something you need to work through. Right. And let me know when you get there. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? So it it didn't work out great. So that when I'm sitting there now, and she's got those emotions. And she's she's going at it, and I don't understand it, and I'm getting frustrated. What, and she and Whitney's helped me do this a lot by saying, "I don't need you, I don't need you necessarily to respond to what I'm saying That's right. here, but That's I have right. to share this with That's you." That's right. This is an argument. We're not seeing this eye to eye. We're not going to see it right now. I love her to death. Don't understand this at all, and be quiet and let her. Bring it to you. All right. Now, what are you doing with all those feelings that are laying there? I have gotten better at um, stopping the analyzing and observing. And I will let her talk. I'll, I'll just listen. And I will try my best to communicate empathy and say, that that sounds really, really hard about your day or your boss or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if I'm completely honest, I don't feel... Mm-hmm. A depth of empathy, but I'm trying to open up a space there. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yes. It's Okay, so this is so guys... hard for you because you feel it. Yeah, I, I mean, don't love it though. You know, I'll... But you're it's so automatic for you and it's so that yeah. If I could have a fraction of your emotions yes, in those yes. times, just yeah. in a bottle. Yes. Just, oh, I need to Yes. I you know, I used to give suggestions about how to fix her feelings, yeah. of course. That's not a five thing, but that's but and it was, okay, well, you're feeling this. You don't want to feel this, right? Well, do this and this and this. And I've stopped doing that. I've just just listened. Um, but also tried to give constructive feedback if it's asked for. So does it feel hard as a five or as a seven? Does it feel like a challenge to you to be present to feelings that you find to be irrational? Is it is it a matter for a five because you're so rational? It, is it a matter of that... That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I can't get that in my head. So a, a wonderful thing we have an opportunity to explore is the different people who are both thinking dominant, but who are one is feeling repressed and the other is doing repressed. So do you feel frustrated, Casey, because your wife is crying and you feel like you need to do something about that, but you don't know what to do? Right. 
as opposed to you thinking, I, why is she feeling this? Is that what's That's happening? It, yes. You you are doing repressed. So you are thinking dominant and feeling supports thinking. So when I'm teaching a basic Enneagram workshop, I say this. If you disagree with the five, it often hurts their feelings because they have feelings about their thoughts. About what they think. Sure. Right. So do your feelings come into play when your thoughts don't aren't helpful? Yes, I think I think I'm when I'm in a healthy place. Yeah. When I'm in, of course, when I'm in a healthy place, I can realize, okay, my, my analyzing and observing all this and trying to understand is not helpful for her. Mm-hmm. And so I, again, getting back in my body, I can start to feel things. So yes, I think, I think that's, I think that's right. The other thing I want to point out to is, is this, you know, people, once twos and sixes are in the dependent stance mm-hmm. and you are both talking about women who are dependent on you. Mm-hmm. And your response to them mm-hmm. for what they feel and how they're going to act. And you guys are not dependent right. on other people That's right. for your way of being in the world. My, my wife is a verbal processor. I rarely verbalize anything that I haven't already processed. So the Enneagram has been immensely helpful in realizing that we're all different. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and shutting up that analyzing, observing, trying to understand. Do you think that you are inadequate... Do you, do you think that you are inadequate in emotional exchanges in relationships? What do you mean by inadequate? That's such a five response. Ineffective? Do you think that you are ineffective in dealing with other people's emotions? For sure. Okay. For sure. If you well, let it, go it, of thinking, if you had balance between thinking, feeling, and some doing... If if you let go of thinking, would do you think that you would feel a little more connection? Mm-hmm. Is question A, and your answer is yes. Yes, for sure. And question B is, do you think part of this is on your side of the fence oh. as being doing repressed because you don't know what to do sure. about what she feels? Exactly. That, yes. And as a seven... Do you feel any need? No. Of course you don't. That's a feeling. <laughs> do you think that you need to know what to do something or to know what to do? I think that's what we're talking about. When the conversation starts, it's let's solve this problem. Let's fix this. Let's get rid yeah. of it. Okay. All, that, all right. I want everybody who's listening to hear this. That's exactly this right. Is a, the whole point of the conversation was to get rid of them or fix them or not have them. You're different. Yes. So here's the thing that people get an opportunity to learn that I never would have dreamed we would be able to offer people, so I'm very happy, is that when you think, I don't know what to do, that's a big difference in when you think, I don't know how to get somebody to do the thing that's going to change this. That's right. That's That's the five, seven difference. And it's astonishing. That's right. And that teaches that... That's an aggressive number, saying, exactly. I, don't, I don't know how to tell you to do what you need to do, and I'm a five withdrawing. Yeah. Saying, I don't know what to do. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the... That's exactly and that's, a, that's so important because people begin to confuse thinking that numbers that are different are the same. You guys aren't the same at all. 
you are just you ha- you share a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways we don't learn from each other when we could is because there's this tendency to say, I know just what you mean because mm-hmm. that happens to me. Mm-hmm. And you two are talking about the same experience and, and different a different motivation. thing is happening That's to exactly both of right. you. Yeah, a very different thing. Since you're thinking dominant, Casey, how are you managing, how did you manage the space where you were left with thinking and feeling and you knew that you needed to be doing, but doing doesn't isn't what comes first to you. Like, how, how did you manage? How am I going to get out of this? I, I thought I was going to be in ministry. I was there for 15 years. I've now left so I can be myself. <laughs> and if you have to leave ministry, right. self-talk, to be yourself, then what are you going to do? Yeah. And do you want to do anything anyway? Because that's not, th- that's repressed for you. So how did you get out of that muck? So a couple of things. Uh, again, good therapy. Well, yeah, good therapy, good spiritual direction. So I, th- this is kind of funny. So I stepped out of ministry at the end of 2015. And throughout my time in ministry, I'd always kind of had them back of my mind, just nonprofit kind of work, get mm-hmm. into the nonprofit sector. We worked with nonprofits when I was in ministry. And I always thought I could kind of do that. And it's not a huge leap from mm-hmm. ministry. So as I was kind of planning my next step, UNT, where I, I live in Denton, and University of North Texas there has a good master's program in nonprofit studies. And so, but but here's the funny thing about a five. So I'm, I'm getting out of ministry, and I think, okay, I'm gonna, I want to go do mm-hmm. something. I want to go do nonprofit work. So what I actually did was go study nonprofit work. Right? I go and yep. I, I think, okay, I need to learn more. Which I learned some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. And in fact, I just finished it last month. Like I'm done. I did a two-year master's in nonprofit, so so I got that. But and I can laugh about it now. But but it's like I didn't I didn't go do anything. I studied doing, which is such like a five thing. I studied doing. So there's did that. Did it feel like doing? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally felt like doing. Yeah. Which is a trap for fives. We think Absolutely. we think we we think we did something because we studied and analyzed. And that's other numbers do that too. But that's a five thing for sure. So there's that. So my therapist... So is Casey with a K as opposed to you, Casey with a C? Yes. Is Casey with a K saying, what are you going to do with this? Yes, but in a gentle kind of way. Yeah. Um, she's she's a healthy person. And yeah. so she... Um, we're trying to figure out what's next for me. Um, I'm getting more opportunities to do workshops and, sure. and, and consulting and stuff. And so... Um, but so the, that's, that's the doing piece for getting out of ministry. But as far as just personal spiritual health of doing. I had a, about six months ago, I had a session with my therapist and we were, again, he knows the Enneagram really well. And so we were talking about this very question of you need to move into the doing mm-hmm. out of the thinking feeling. So I said, okay, how do I do that? And he said, okay, well, well, and this was actually in the context of parenting. We were talking about being a parent because parenting is pretty hard for fives. Yeah. And we can talk about that more it costs if you want, a lot. but it, it costs, costs a lot. Yeah. And um, so we were talking about how hard parenting was for me. And he said, okay, well, you need some, you need some doing, you need some of that eight energy for parenting. Five goes to eight in security. And so we were talking about that. And he said, he said, okay, what, what, when your kids are just driving you crazy as a five, what is your, what is your head telling you? What do you, what are you thinking? And I'm saying, and I think to myself, okay, I just need time. Leave me alone is what I'm telling myself when my kids are bothering me so much when I'm struggling in parenting. I just need that space as a five. 
And he said, okay, we need to get you into your body because your body will tell you something also. That he said, I mean, those moments of parenting when it's really hard, your mind is telling you, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. He said, but your body will tell you something if you just listen to your body. And so your eight, your, your security arrow mm -hmm. does a lot of healing around their childhood wound. Yep. You see that? Yep. So that's the connection to the doing of getting back in my body. And it was just a really healing moment for me in that session. And then we, we processed that, that experience in the session. And he said, what was that like for you? I sat down on the couch. He said, what was that like for you? And we just did that whole thing. And I said, well, it was really awkward at first. And then I said, I felt like a child doing that which your repressed center is your purest center right. because it's not as wounded, right? And so all that to say, that that's how I've come to a more of a healing place through that kind of counseling of being reminded, bring up doing, bring up doing. Um, and it's kind of awkward because as you bring up your repressed center, you're mm -hmm. kind of stumbling as a little kid because it's the least used center. If we have a, if we have a five, a young five who's listening, who is at the age where it's time to start settling down and being in relationship. And you know, my teaching is that it's more brave for a five to show up for a relationship than any other number because it costs you everything. And spiritual direction is trendy right now in the circles where you and I hang out, but it's very foreign to most people. Right. And therapy is expensive and hard to come by. If you could say three things to a young five about entering relationships and how to be in relationship, how to begin really being present to a relationship, what would you say? Have really good practices. Um, I, have a, I have a prayer practice every morning, a meditation, sit, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, centering prayer. I think that helps me observe and be self-aware and deal with the analyzing, observing. So mm -hmm. if I can shut that off, if I can practice shutting that off yeah. in those times, yeah. then then during my days, I can be present with you sure. and not be analyzing. So that's I think that's and that's for every number, right? They need yeah. a centering practice for sure. Another practice is again, I I don't think you can say this enough for fives is getting back in your body. A discipline of exercise, or you know, what's really good for me is yoga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm really terrible at it, but yeah. it's really good yeah. for me to get back in your body so that you can feel your body and be aware of your body. Um, so that when you're in the middle of an argument, you can you can you can feel sure. your body to be present. I think I think really clear communication with your partner about kind of what Joel was saying of what are the expectations here for this relationship and how are we going to have how are we going to deal with conflict and just being very clear with fives about those things, I think, is really, really helpful. And giving, you know, giving fives time and space to reflect and to think. Not a lot. They don't, I mean, they mm -hmm. need, you kind of need to call them back. But giving, if you're in a relationship with a five, giving that person a little bit of time and space to think and to feel um, and not just demand that it comes right, right away. That's very good. Yeah, I think that's really tangible and really helpful. What do you wish people knew about your number? You you already hinted at it, and it's again as as feeling the need to be an ambassador for fives. I wish people knew how courageous it was when they choose to show up. Yeah, it just costs it, everything, it, and it costs 
so much. And when they choose to engage, and by, by engage, I mean show up and listen and be present. Yeah. When you have a five that's, that is trying really hard and is present and is there, it's harder for them than it is for other numbers. It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I want to ask you one more question okay. because we have to wrap up. Sure. What relationships are easier for you and what relationships are more challenging for you? Sure. So I think the numbers that are the least controlling as a, or least intrusive as are, the a, easiest? are the easiest uh-huh. because a five, we, we, we want our space. We want to protect. We want to hoard. We want to hold back. That's the five, right? The avarice of the five is holding back and, and the numbers that demand that we come out mm-hmm. are very difficult. So to be frank, twos, unhealthy twos mm-hmm. are very difficult for me to work with. Yeah. And I've done that. I've, I've worked with an unhealthy two and it was not a good situation because they, we don't give them much to work with, and so they're always trying to mm-hmm. reach into us and pull something yeah. out, and that's very hard. So the numbers that are more intrusive, more aggressive, really unhealthy threes, just I, I have a very hard time with them. But again, yeah, the, the numbers that are the least controlling are, my, you know, my wife and I were friends for three years before we even dated, we, and we were really good friends for the last year of that before we even dated. Mm-hmm. And because she's a one, but has a large nine wing. Mm-hmm. And that nine wing is just peaceful and calm. And my dad's a nine. I have a lot of nine friends because there's just, we're both withdrawing, yeah. but it's just that we're just kind of going It's nice along. to withdraw it's together. Not, yes, yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm really grateful. You're really good at talking about five space. I believe in the value of saying this is who I am. So you you know that I'm all about that in mm-hmm. my own life. Mm-hmm. I hope that fives will listen to this podcast more than one time mm-hmm. and that people who are in relationships with fives will listen more than one yes. time. Because you were able to articulate a lot that will take a lot to process. Yes. So thank you very, very much for well, that. Well, thank, thank you for asking me. Sure. It's good to be in your home. And it's good to it's have good you to see you. Joel, too. good to see you too, man. Thanks for speaking up too. Yeah, yeah. sorry yeah. for... I no, that's okay. That's that great. For my own personal counseling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, love you. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthow. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.